Recording in progress. Okay, so we're up to the beginning of the parak in Daftzadi Hey Amid Beis. The Mishnah says Almana Nizaynes Menechsi Yisoyimim. An Almana is supported; she's financially supported for food. She's given food from the estate of the Yisoyimim. But Mais Yedash Lahen, and in return for being financially and uh, uh, for being sustained by the orphans, she gives them her salary. And they're not obligated to bury her. This is obviously talking about Yisoyim that are not her kids, because uh, right, you can have Yisoyim, meaning these are her stepkids. And they're not obligated to bury her, because burial is in exchange for the ksuba. Now, they don't get her ksuba. Um, the halacha is that they support her until she either gets remarried or she claims her ksuba. But the ksuba... Uh, because they don't, uh, they don't hold on to the ksuba, uh, they do not have to bury her. So who buries her? Yosheha Yoshek Suvasa, whoever gets her ksuba, which is her family who gets the ksuba, Chayav Mekvurasa, they're obligated to bury her. Okay? Now, <clears throat> meaning when a woman dies, the Yosayimim pay her family the ksuba, and in exchange, the, her family buries her. So the Gemara Zakasha, Yibayi Lahu, the question is, when it says that a widow is supported financially from the orphans, is that an obligation? Or is there a way for them to get out of it? Is it that they have to? Or if they choose to? What's the explanation? So the Gemara explains. Do we say it's We had this. Uh, how long ago was this? We had this Dafnun Beis, this about 40 days ago, that uh, 45 days ago, that there was different in the Ksubas, there was a different uh, discrepancy between the Anshe Galil and Anshe Yehuda. But the Anshe Galil signed their Ksubas that they have to support the Almana, there's no way to avoid it. So it's Nizainis because she has to be supported. Oidilma, Hanizainis, or perhaps it's actually Hanizainis and it follows the opinion of Anshe Yehuda. Which is the people of Yehuda? Their ksubas, If you remember, the Anshe Yehuda had they had in their ksubas that the orphans don't actually have to support her; they could pay her ksuba, right? They could just give her ksuba and say, "Take the ksuba and go." The Anshe Galil feels that that's not their option. She could demand the ksuba if she wants, but they can't just give her the ksuba. She has to be supported. So the question is, is this support an obligation or not? So Let's try to prove whether they have to support her financially, or could they just pay the ksuba and walk away? So the halacha is that if a, a widow finds something lost on the floor, she gets to keep it. So the Gemara is If you tell me that they don't have to actually support her, there are ways that they can get out of supporting her by giving her the ksuba. So that makes sense why they don't get to keep the mitzia, because it's talking about a scenario where they can get out of it. Meaning, if you tell me there's an option where they don't have to financially support her, then I understand why there's a scenario where they don't get to keep the lost object. It's in the case where they're not supporting her financially. Eliyam is but if you say that they have to support her financially regardless, Nahavi Kabal, since shouldn't if the orphans have to support her, shouldn't they be like the husband? And just like the husband had to support her and he also got to get her lost objects, so too the orphan should also have to get her lost objects. Meaning, why does the Mishnah say that they don't get their lost objects? If they have to support her, shouldn't they automatically get it? So the Gemara says, so what's the explanation? 
So the Gemara says, so it must be, so this is a proof that you have to support it. So the Gemara says, no, I'm sorry, that you don't have to support it. So the Gemara says, no, really could be they have to support it financially. So why don't they get to keep the lost objects? So The reason why, even if they have to support it financially, they still don't get to keep the lost object. Why is that? See, why is it that the husband gets to keep the lost object? You see, the husband gets to keep the lost objects uh, in order to keep uh, to avoid fighting, we don't want the husband to seem ungrateful um, and to seem like supporting her is a burden because it's not a healthy for the relationship. So we let him get to keep the lost objects. In this case, you could argue that the Yisraelim also have to support her financially, but they don't get to keep the lost objects. Why? The whole point of the keeping lost objects is to avoid uh, to avoid conflict. A husband and wife, it's important that they avoid conflict. In this relationship of the orphans and the widow, let them have conflict. What do we care? So it could be that they talk, have to support it. They still don't get to keep lost object. So the Gemara says like this. We remember, if you remember, we had in a Mishnah that there are seven obligations a wife has to her husband to cook and to clean, all these things. All those obligations that a wife has to the husband, almana the almana has to do for the orphans. Except for the following three, because these are not just household items, these are items to forge a relationship, which is not necessary in this case. And that is, uh, she doesn't have to pour them wine. making the bed, washing their hands and feet, those uh, she does not have to do. The Gemara continues, All jobs that a slave, a non-Jew slave does for his master, a Talmud does for his Rebbe, except for taking off the shoes. The reason why is because while it's important for a Talmud to serve his Rebbe, if he does everything a slave does, people are going to think that he was a slave. They're not going to know the difference between a Talmud for a Rebbe, and they're going to say he's a guy. So if he doesn't untie the shoes, that's a sign that he's not a full slave. As the Gemara says, <clears throat> so the Gemara says, so he doesn't tie the sho- untie the shoes because untying the shoes that implies slavery. However, if this Talmud is in a location where everyone knows he's not a slave, everyone knows he's a Talmud of the Rebbe, then he could do it because there's no concern. What are you concerned about? That people are going to say that he's a slave? They know he's not a slave. So if it's in a location where everyone knows him, then it's fine. The Gemara continues. In addition, even if it's a location where they don't know they don't know who he is, but if he's wearing tefillin, then it's fine, because if he's wearing tefillin, everyone knows that they would never let a non-Jew wear tefillin. Anyone, any Rebbe who doesn't let his servant, his Talmud serve him, is like holding back chesed. I mean, it's a chesed to serve your Rebbe, so if the Rebbe doesn't let him, then it's like the Rebbe withholding the Talmud from doing chesed. Not just is withholding chesed, he's removing Yerushalayim from the students because Meshamish um, Atamachacham creates Yerushalayim. Shnav Yeresa Shakayoyz Yazayv. Amra Velazar Almana new topic. We know that Almana is paid; <coughs> she collects money um, from the estate. It's she has a lien on the property, so she's really supposed to take land. 
Now, if they choose to give her movables or cash, that's their prerogative. But she really has a claim to land. Says the Gemara, Almana shetafsa metaltalin b'mezaynaseha. If an almana is trying to get food money, and the yarshim, let's say, are not giving her land, and she just grabs grabs cash or grabs movables, the halacha is mashetafsa tafsa. But the is fine, meaning we're not going to remove it from her. So if she if she took it, even if she wasn't necessarily supposed to take it, mashetafsa tafsa. <coughs> the Gemara continues. The Brisa similarly states, "Almana shetavsa metaldim nezayseh hamashetavsa tavsa." V'chenki yaser of Dimi Amar Maisa bekalasish or of Shabzai. The story goes with the daughter of Shabzai. Shetavsa the sakim aleimos. She grabbed a bag of cash as payment for her uh, financial support. V'lehikach biyacham lahaitzim yada, and the chum couldn't take it away from her. Meaning, but the Eved mashetavsa tavsa. It says the Gemara Amar Ravina. Ravina explains Loy Amar Lamazoni. It's only true that we will allow her to keep the money if she grabs the money to pay for her financial support, the food. Avul Ksuva, but if she's taking money for her Ksuva, Mafkina Mina, we actually remove it from her. Now, this is very strange, and the Gemara is instantly going to ask, what's the difference? Meaning, both for Mazoinus and for Ksuva, she's supposed to collect from land. The question is, if she grabs the cash, which she shouldn't have done, Bidiyavid, is it fine? So the Gemara is saying, for Mezaynis, Bidiyavid is fine. For Ksuva, Bidiyavid is not fine. What's the difference? It's a good kasha. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Maskele Marabar Vashi, Masha looks Ksuva, the Mekarkele Metalti. Why is it by the Ksuva? That if she grabs it, we remove it from her because she only has a claim to land and not to movables. Mezaynis, not Mekarkele Metalti. So the same thing about Mezaynis. Meaning, really, she's supposed to claim land. If she claims cash, so one case you say but the evidence is fine, one case you say but the is not fine, what's the difference? The Gemara says, So if you're going to say that if she grabs it but the evidence is fine, you should say the same thing uh, for both Mazinus and Metatli. Rav said the same thing like you, that there's no distinction between Ksuva and Metatli. In both cases, but the evidence is fine. Let's say you have an almana for two or three years, she has not asked for food. Food money. She hasn't. She obviously had some savings and she didn't ask for it. If the Mazaitis, she can no longer ask for it. Meaning, this is the Gemara is going to clarify this is not asking in the future. Meaning, she can continue asking for financial support in the future, but she can't say, hey, I've been borrowing money, I want money to like recoup. Meaning, for two years, she didn't ask for food money. She can't then say, oh, I'd like to be paid for the last two years. No. If you ask for it, that's one thing. But if you don't ask for it, then the assumption is that you're not going to ask for it in the, in the past. And you can't go back and say, oh, all these last two years that I haven't gotten, please uh, reimburse me. No, it doesn't work. So the Gemara says, the Gemara has a quick kasha. It says two or three years. The question is, why is it two or three years? You say three years and two years is pretty posh. If she can't recoup for two, she can definitely not recoup for three. So why do you have to say two or three years? Say two and then I'll know three. So the Gemara says, like kasha. Kan ba'niya, kan ba'shir. They're both talking about two different cases. One's talking about a wealthy woman, one's talking about a poor, poor woman. Meaning, uh, a poor woman, two years. A wealthy woman, three years because a wealthy woman has an extra year that you know she might have had enough savings whatever but again the chiddush is by both she can't recoup we can't she can't be reimbursed but the reason why it had two different cases is one talking about a wealthy woman talking about a poor woman inami another answer one's talking about a woman who's uh, parutz 
a little more uh, not a sneeze, and one's more sneeze. You see, a woman who sneezes, uh, she's embarrassed to go to Besdin, therefore, two years is not enough. Three years is when it's considered. So, according to this, um, a woman who's prutza, two years, because if she taka wanted the money, she would ask. But a woman who's sinua, who's embarrassed to go to Besdin and ask for money, um, Embarrassed, embarrassed to ask for bezin to go to money to get money. So for her, um, for her, three years is the amount. So you have two answers. One is um, uh, a poor woman, two years; a wealthy woman, three years; and one is a parutz is two years, and a tsenu is three years. Rava just clarifies, which is what I said before, that this concept that a woman cannot ask for money to be reimbursed, that's only talking about the the food money in the past. She can't get the money in the past, but she can now ask for the future. We don't say, oh, it's been two years, so once you didn't ask, it's too late. No, you can't ask to be reimbursed, but you can get money for the future. Okay, here's the Gemara's Kasha. Boy Rav Rabbi Yechon has the following caution. We know there's a general rule that if there's a debate about about whether someone owes someone money, so he says, I paid you, he says, I didn't pay, I didn't receive it. We generally go with whoever owns the money, he's in control. The other burden of proof is on the other person. So the question is, when it comes to Almana and comes to an almana the Yisoyimim say they gave her food money and she says I didn't get anything so the question is who is the burden of proof on here's the question do we say well who's in charge of the estate the Yisoyimim so it's their money the burden of proof is on her or do you say no? Because Bezdin said that they have to support her financially, Skilu Bezdin made the money in her domain. And it's and the burden of proof is on them. So that's the question. So the Gemara says, So Tashima. Titani Levi. Levi taught. Almana, when it comes to Almana. Until she remarries, she's in control of the estate regarding her financial support. And it's Kilu, it's in her domain. And the burden of proof is on the assignment. Nisis, but when she remarries, meaning, and, and I guess she wants to get um, the Mazinus or she wants to get the Ksuba. So Nisis, if she already marries, then the burden of proof is on her. So the answer to the question is, um, the answer to the question is of who's the burden of proof? Until she remarries, the burden of proof is on them. Once she remarries, the burden of proof is on her. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning if she remarries and she wants to be reimbursed for some of the money, the halacha is the burden of proof is on her. Rav Simi wants to say this Shaila of who's in charge of the estate and who's the burden of proof, I think is the Machlegis Tanoim. What's the Machlegis Tanoim? It says, Meicheres Vikaiseves. Elul Mezaynis Macharitiv Elul Ksuva Macharitiv. Divir of Yehuda. 
The halach is like this. Um, now, the halach is that a, an almana is allowed to sell some of the estate in order to get money for either her ksuba or for her financial support. So the Brayser says that if an almana sells some of the estate, some for her ksuba and some for her financial support, she has to write... She has to keep a ledger. This I sold for the food money, and this I sold for the ksuba. Now, okay, so far so good. Rav Yo- we'll explain what, what the machlek, what's the shayla. Rav Yoisi says, no, let her just sell. She doesn't have to allocate what it's for, and this is actually better for her. The Gemara is going to clarify why is it better for her. Now, you have a machlekes, if the amana is selling estate, some of the estate, partially for the ksuba and partially for mezainas, is a machlekes whether she has to allocate exactly what funds went to which. So what's the machlekes about? My love, b'hokam l'fugi. L'rav Yehuda d'amar b'ay l'frushe savar nichsi b'chezki yasmi kaimo b'almana l'havi raya. Rav Yehuda d'amar b'ay l'frushe nichsi b'chezki almana kaimo <coughs> the Gemara wants to say like this. The machlaikis between Rav Yaisi and Rav Yehuda is exactly this, of who's in charge of the estate and who is the burden of proof on. So the Gemara says, Rav Yehuda who says that you have to clarify what it's for, that's because the estate is in the control of the assignment and it's on her. Meaning, let's say she sold, let's say she's owed $500 for the ksuba and $500 for the for the um, uh, for the for the uh, sustenance, she sells five hundred dollars of land, two hundred fifty for the ksuba, and she's taking two hundred fifty for the mezainus. So says Rav Yudah, got to write it up. Why? Because Rav Yudah is saying, if you don't write it up, you know what the Yisraelim are going to say? They're going to say the entire five hundred was for the ksuba, and regarding the mezainus, we already gave you, as we said before. If you hold that the burden of proof is on her. The Yisraelim can just say they already gave you money for the Mazinus. There's nothing she could do. So review the saying, she has to write what it's for, because if not, they're going to mess her over. They're going to say to her, the $500 is really for the Ksuba. And then she's going to say, no, part of it was for the Mazinus. They say, well, no, 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 we already got, we gave you the Mazinus already. They're going to make it up. And they don't have to prove it, because the burden of proof is on her. So it says, review, you got to write it down. Rav Yaisi, on the other hand, says, no, she doesn't have to write what it's for. Because they can't just say we already gave you the mezainus, because the burden proof is on them. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, regarding my law of Rashi says, V'iloi Pirsha, according to Yehuda, the burden proof is on her. So if she doesn't clarify, Malak Suba Mal Mazainus, Saif Kishatavya, Yaimila Mashimakhsuba Mekharta, the Yusama gonna say everything you sold really for the Ksuba. And therefore, take this 500, you got your ksuba money. And she's going to say, no, I had to, half of it was for the mezainus. They're going to say, no, we already gave you the mezainus. She's going to say, so what about the mezainus money? They're going to say, no, 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 we already gave you the ksuba money. No, we already gave you the mezainus. And they didn't even have to prove it, because the burden of proof is on her. That's why he ha- she has to clarify. Rav Yaisi says, Rashi, no. So holds that the nichsam, the chasim is, that really it's in her domain, and the burden of proof is on them. And, and Rashi explains, And therefore, and, and Rashi's going to clarify, Rashi's just pointing out, the Gemara is going to clarify, it's even better for her not to write as the Gemara is going to say later on. 
Rashi says, why is it better for her to write, not write it? Okay, the Gemara is going to clarify what this is in a minute. So it could be that exactly is the Machlaikas between Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda about whether it's better for her to write it. Rabbi Yossi holds, Rabbi Yehuda holds that she has to write it because she, he feels the burden of proof is on her. Rabbi Yossi says, no, she doesn't have to write it because the burden of proof is on them. So the Gemara says... Mimai, how do you know that that's the explanation? Now, by the way, why is it better, according to Rav Yossi, for her not to write uh, what it was for? The reason is because uh, Mizainus can be collected only from land uh, that belongs to the Bnei Chayrin, while the Ksuba can be, there's a lien on the property for the Ksuba. So, um, yeah, so I guess by not specifying it, she could claim that all of the sales had been for the sustenance. She hasn't been paid her ksuba yet, and then she'll be able to have use the lien on the property to collect the ksuba, which seems a little funny. But um, okay, we'll 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 get to that later. So the Gemara says, "Mimai, how do you know that that's the explanation?" Dilma de Kulialma. Perhaps really everyone agrees that the burden proof is on them. So why? So that's why she doesn't, according to Rav Yossi, she doesn't have to write it out. So why does Rav Yudah say that she has to write out what it was? Rav Yudah is not saying she has to. Rav Yudah is giving her an Eitzah Taiva. Look at Rav Sanusa. If she spent $500 and $250 on, on, is on sustenance and $250 is on the Ksuba, she should write that. Why? Because if people are going to think she's spending $500 a month on food and people are going to think she's fat and she's eating too much and she's become a person that, that's uh, very uh, that's very uh, fine schmeckery and she's going to have a hard time remarrying. Review that could be is just saying she should mark it down not because of halachic, it's just an, a good eitzah because if she doesn't, people are going to think she's spending a lot of money of someone else's estate on food and people are going to say, wow, she's uh, she's she's uh, got a, a big appetite and it's not good for people to be talking that way. I'll prove it to you. Do like Mahachi. I'll prove it to you that Rav Yehuda's sheet is just Mitzat Eitzatova. Hadaboy Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan was trying to figure out who the burden of proof is. Why didn't he just, Tifshalim Masisa, why didn't he just prove it from uh, from the Mishnah in tomorrow's daf? Because the Mishnah says, Mecheres then a widow can sell her the property uh, for financial support, for the f- money, for food. Shaloi Bezin, not in the presence of court. And she should write, this I got for the support. So you see, she has to write it. So why does Rav Yechon say, oh, she has to write it because <clears throat> because the burden of proof is... Because the answer has nothing to do with burden of proof. She's writing what she's using the money for so that people know that she's not just using it for Mazinus. It's a good Eitzatoiva. Eitzatoiva Kamash Malon. So that could be the first explanation of, of what the Machlegas is, that everyone agrees the burden of proof is on them. The Machlegas is just whether she should write it down, she's a good Eitzah. Inami, another explanation. The opposite. It could be everyone agrees <coughs> the burden of proof is on her. And that's why Review this says she has to write down exactly what it was, because they could just claim, we already gave you the Mazainus and this is all for the Ksuba. So what is Rav Yossi hold that she shouldn't write it down? Behind time the Rav Yossi could Abaye Kashisha. Rav Yossi is just following the sheet of Abaye Kashisha. Dom Rabaye Kashisha. Abaye Kashisha says Moshel to Rav Yossi. What's the explanation of Yossi Shita? The following Moshel. Ma Dovidar. What's it comparable to? L'shchiv Mira. 
someone who's seriously ill, who said, He says, give $200 Zuz to so-and-so who I owe money. Now, the heirs give the guy the $200. The halacha is... This guy can just keep the $200 and he could say it's not even to pay off the debt. <clears throat> Meaning, let's say you have a guy who's owed $200. A guy in his deathbed says to his kids, give the guy $200 because I owe him money. The guy can actually take the money and say, this has nothing to do with Choyv. Uh, he just wanted to give me a matana. <coughs> now, Meaning, it could be that he's going to say that the Shchiv Mirah was giving him money on addition to the money that's owed to him. He just wants to give him a gift. Now, this is a whole Sugim Babasa, why we interpret it this way. So, so too it is over here. So too it is over here. Now, I'm sorry. Yeah, go to the next page. Now, if he takes it as a gift, isn't he isn't he better off because he can still collect? So too over here of Yaisi Shita is it's better for her to leave the sales unspecified of whether it's for the Ksuba or for the Mizainus. Why? Because that way she could always claim they were for the Mizainus, allowing her to collect the Ksuba later on. Mean like this. Let me just uh <clears throat> let me just check Rashi for one second. Yeah, you you always want. Hold on one second. Recording yes. in progress. Meaning, Rav Shita is it's better for her to leave it unspecified. That way, she could protect herself. Why? Because that way, she could eventually claim that all the money was really for the sustenance, and she hasn't collected ksuba yet. And now she'll be able to collect the ksuba even from properties that were sold because there's a lien on the property. Now, I that's why it's better for her not to. I, what about the fact that they'll just say, we already paid you? Which is always the concern. To that, Rashi says, according to Rav Yaisi, uh, she could always have witnesses present whenever uh, she whenever she collects money for the sustenance, and that would avoid that concern. Meaning, <clears throat> now, yeah, yeah, the, she can protect herself by having witnesses present when she sells the property for sustenance. Yeah. I mean, although she's not writing the document, she has to have witnesses. That way she protects herself. But because it's not written, she could always change the tune later on to protect herself further. It feels like a game, but... It still feels like a shickle game. I'll have to look into this, but that that's the Gemara says. I will stop here. We'll pick it up, uh... After Yom Tov, I'll record tomorrow's stuff.